Hello and welcome. This is the Boundless Book Club. Normally, we would talk about books, what we're reading, what has inspired us when we see each other at the Emirates Literature Foundation. But right now, we're here bound in our homes, just like you. So instead, we're talking here digitally, and we hope that you will join us. Today, we will be talking about poetry, and you are here with... Annabelle. Andrea. And me, Ahlam. Talking about poetry, let's first start getting into it by what role does poetry play in your lives? Are you a fan or not? How difficult was the research for this episode? Oh, okay. Poetry has always played a slightly random role in my life. I think I turn to it when I need consolation or comfort. Or I think poetry is where I go to engage with like dark and difficult emotion. I feel like it, it is such a an emotional experience. I don't know why. I mean, does anyone really read poetry for something light? I wouldn't say light, but when we get on to our recommendations, I prefer poetry that is possibly not quite as sincere and and directly emotional, but a bit more clever and witty. So I would not go to it when I'm really, really happy or really, really sad. I just kind of pick it up because I want to be amused or entertained usually, unless it's performance poetry, which is completely different, which is Mm. just a whole different ballgame. So on the performance poetry point, so if something is quite emotional on the page, I can engage with it a lot better in my own headspace than Mm -hmm. somebody doing a shouty performance piece about it. I find it very confrontational sometimes when performance poets who are wonderful talk about their feelings at a decibel and an intensity that I'm not ready to experience (laughs) in a group setting. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a very delicate place where it's it's got to be just the right amount of expressiveness to help you connect. Sometimes when it's like too loud or too harsh, it's like, okay, we're just here for an evening out and we're just kind of having a laugh just now. And it got, that got dark really quickly. (laughs) But yeah, I do get it. I mean, sometimes when it's like a lot more soft and even if it's not quite a performance, it feels a lot more sincere if if it's in the, you know, genuine tone of the author. What do you guys think about like, going off a certain structure as well because poetry has evolved a lot especially with the younger generation and and performance poetry it's it's more about the music it's more about the sort of flow of emotion than it is a certain structure again I think there's a big difference between whether you're reading it or listening to it what we're mm-hmm. engaging with a performance if it's a performance then nobody's going to care about how accurate it is and if it's a you know got the right number of syllables per line but when you're reading it I think it's a bit harder to to take on that sort of randomness that a performance can have. I don't take kindly to some work that sounds good when it's performed because there's a lot of emotion behind it but then you Mm. read it on the page and it's like you can't just call it a poem because you've put each word on a new line it doesn't work that way. And there has, there has yeah. to be some meaning behind the structure. And I think one of the things that gets lost in performance poetry is things like uh, concrete poems, where the shape of the poem on the page is actually tied in somehow to what's being said. I find those really interesting. And that's not something that you can 
experience in performance poetry in the same way that you can on a page. So Annabelle, while while you're while you're in the flow, tell us what you've chosen. I've decided to highlight an online collection that I'm a fan of and I think will be helpful to anybody who can't kind of go out and buy any new poetry books at the moment. It's called poetryfoundation.org. It's one of my favorite places to explore for poems because of just the range of poems that they have on the site and also the way it's laid out. Because I feel with poetry, it's kind of like photographs. Each one is a snapshot of a certain place and time. It's like flicking through an album almost. So poems are sorted into collections that range from blockbuster movie poems, anti-love poems, which is another collection I love poems of hope and resilience and more collections along those lines and they're grouped in very creative ways and it's a great way to explore poems and poets that you would never have come across otherwise I get stuck in the old favorites that I kind of learned at school and I find comfort in so it's nice to be pushed out of that a little bit sometimes so in the true spirit of discovery I'm highlighting a poem by Tracy K Smith who was a Pulitzer Prize winning poet with her collection Life on Mars she was announced as a US poet laureate in 2017 and I'd never read a single one of her poems and was slightly ashamed by that. I find the best poems either make the ordinary extraordinary or the extraordinary ordinary. There's a Pablo Neruda poem that is about a tomato and if you told me this poem was about a tomato I wouldn't have wanted to read it mm-hmm. but it's beautiful and it's exciting and engaging and it's about a tomato. Who'd have thought? There's a poem <laughs> I wanted to talk about today which I'm only going to quote from but it's called Aimless Love by Billy Collins and two of the verses are as follows. In the shadows of an autumn evening I fell for a seamstress still at her machine in the tailor's window and later for a bowl of broth steam rising like smoke from a naval battle this is the best kind of love i thought without recompense without gifts or unkind words without suspicion or silence on the telephone so that poem is an example of finding the extraordinary in the ordinary Mm -hmm. so i've gone completely the other way today and this tracy k smith poem is about one of the biggest events i can possibly imagine it's called the universe original motion picture soundtrack it's about the sounds at the beginning of everything and if you told me that someone had written a poem about this and been brave enough i'd have said no way could they achieve that come on (laughs) but she does this is the universe original motion picture soundtrack the first track still almost swings hi-hat and snare even a few bars of sax the stratosphere will singe out soon enough synthesized strings then something like cellophane breaking in as if snagged to a shoe Crinkle and drag, white noise, black noise. What must be voices bob up, then drop like metal shavings and molasses. So much for us, so much for the flags we bored into planets dry as chalk, for the tin cans we filled with fire and rode like cowboys into all we tried to tame. Listen. The dark we've only ever imagined, now audible, thrumming, marbled with static like gristly meat, a chorus of engines churns. Silence taunts. A dare. Everything that disappears, disappears, as if returning somewhere. Oh, nice. Very cool. A, a poet that's really good with the words. Again, like like you said, that poem with about the tomato. It's like, it's not really about the essence or what it's about. It's almost just the words and the way that they are put together and structured that is just entertaining regardless and draws you in. I like, I like cleverness in poetry. Yeah which is not exactly the same as as putting your emotion on the page. Andrea, what do you have for us today? Let's talk about Dorothy Parker. Do you um, have a relationship to Dorothy Parker? I don't, 
All I know is that we had some cats in the office a long time ago and we named one of them Dorothy Parker. Excellent. (laughs) You know what? I think she would really enjoy that. So Dorothy Parker died more than 50 years ago. She was born, I would say, sometime late 1800s. And it's incredible how relevant and contemporary her poetry feels for women today. So she was kind of dismissed by some people as a flapper poet. She was partying up at the, in the roaring 20s and all sort of, you know, pearls and speakeasies and, and that sort of thing. But there is just so much more to her. And she was dismissed by the feminists of her time because she wrote a lot of poetry that was about relationships and, you know, catching a man, which the feminists of the time didn't like. But this is stuff that humans, not not just women, but humans have been seeking a mate for the entirety of our species, and they're going to continue to do so. And that doesn't make her not feminist, I think. And she is actually, to my mind, a, a really early feminist icon. And that is not necessarily the reason why you should like her. You should like her because she is clever and she is witty and she is just timeless. I can't imagine a time in the future when young women aren't going to read her poetry and say, oh, that really speaks to me. So that's why you should like her and you should read her. There are lots of collections, obviously, because she's an old poet. There'll be lots of collected works and they're best of and so on. They're they're all going to be great. So I'm going to read you a poem. But first, I just want to read a line out of a poem that I really love. And the other day I was looking at something on Twitter, as you do, and someone I'm not connected to said something quite clever and I clicked on her bio and this was her bio. Three be the things I shall never attain, envy, content and sufficient champagne. And I thought, (laughs) oh, that's so clever. She's so great. I don't actually have my collected Dorothy Parker here, but I do have her poems online because you can find anything online right now. And I I found it really difficult to choose one because they are all so clever and witty and apt for for anyone. So I think I'm going to go with an unfortunate coincidence, which, which is very short and very typical of her. I think it's a good example of her style. And it goes like this. By the time you swear you're his, shivering and sighing, And he vows his passion is infinite, undying. Lady, make a note of this. One of you is lying. (laughs) I love it. So that's my proposal to you. Get yourself some Dorothy Parker. I I feel like my choice is so different than both of yours. I've gone 900 years back. (laughs) Excellent. So this is, I mean, this is a poet I've always wanted to know more about because he's so well known in this part of the world. So Omar Khayyam, who lived 900 years ago. So 11th century, a Persian poet. And there's a bit of, because of how things were at that time and, and, and who owned what parts of the map, there's a bit of debate between people in Uzbekistan and people in Iran about where he really was from. Because they say at that time, he, he kind of went to Bukhara and that's the time when he wrote his, his, his most popular works. And he's someone who's so interesting. So he's, he was a mathematician. He was a philosopher. He was an astronomer. But he was mostly well known for his poetry and some historians say it's not possible that this was the same person there must have been like 
too, Omar Khayyam, to have been someone who made so many first-time discoveries in algebra, who have, you know, his works have literally like paved the way for people like Isaac Newton and, and all these geniuses that came after him, and, and, and at the same time be such an important poet, right? But through his poetry, that's where you really understood who he was, what are his thoughts. But, but he was a genius in every way. Like in those days in Persia, he was the person in charge of revising the solar calendar, like the Persian solar calendar. And, he, and it's said until today that that is actually one of the most accurate calendars. So the Islamic calendar is a lunar calendar, but the Persian calendar was the solar one. So just like such a fascinating person, but the, he's mostly well known for the Rubaiyat of Amar Khayyam. And this was obviously, his, his work had gained a lot of popularity in Europe after Edward Fitzgerald, in I think the early 19th century, translated his Rubaiyat. And this is his original work of translation, and I found it in House of Prose in Alwasl Road, you know, that, that secondhand bookshop. And I got it for like 14 dirhams. It's, it, I feel like it's a treasure. <laughs> and, I, and I got it for so cheap. And what I love is that the person before me actually marked the, the pages that they loved, and some of them I, are my favorites too. So Rubaiyat means quatrains or four-line poems and a lot of uh, people say that actually there was up to 2,000 of these under his his collection but there's only about 75 in Fitzgerald's original translation. His work is is mostly about contemplation and it, it's interesting because he was someone who was so clever. He was someone who found answers, right, in math, uh, in astronomy. He was someone who found definite answers in those things and would solve problems and I feel like he's someone through his poetry, it drove him crazy that he couldn't figure out death and life after death and all of those sort of big universal issues that until today we contemplate. And so it's just like there's a bit of humor in it. There's a bit of, there's like a sarcastic tone underlying in some of his poetry. But Fitzgerald didn't actually take his work as they were. He, it's sort of like he channeled Khayyam and he made the poetry his own. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's beautiful to read, but I don't know how I feel about, you know, do I really know Khayyam's work through this because Fitzgerald really made it his own or not? But I'll read uh, one of the ones that was marked here to you. It is all a checkerboard of nights and days where destiny with men for pieces plays. Hither and thither moves and mates and slays, and one by one back into the closet lays. I love that one, just like talking about what life really is. And another poem that I love is this one. Ah, fill the cup. What boots it to repeat? How time is slipping underneath our feet. Unborn tomorrow and dead yesterday. Why fret about them if today be sweet? When you're choosing poems, do you tend to choose poems that are about big things. I think so. It's a lot of searching for answers for me. So like you, it is a very emotional experience. Like if I'm having a very emotional day, I, I do do love to read poetry, but it's also like if I'm really wondering about something and some of these old, you know, timeless poets, contemplated a lot of these big topics so a lot of times you'll find exactly you know the subjects that you're looking for and just read some words about them and try to think along the same lines and I can't believe that someone who wrote this 900 years ago till today it's the same topics that we contemplate it makes you think that the social construct and the the, the sort of the big social issues are always the same no matter what time or place we're, we're at it yeah. makes you feel connected as a as a human race. It's true. 
When do you tend to pick up poetry? Or when do you read poetry? Do you sort of pick up a poetry book and read it from start to finish? Or do you just kind of pick it up, read one, put it down? Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually done one from start, except for this one, it was quite short and <laughs> I did it from start to finish. But like mostly it's just dabbing in and out or looking for topics or subjects that, you know, catch my eye and then reading that piece. What about you guys? The only poems I remember mm. reading they've they've always been in anthologies so I don't actually read entire collections by the same poet I love when the same piece is read by multiple people and it can mean something very different to me than to anyone than than to you or to you Annabelle so it's like just like a piece of art you look at it and you have your own interpretation of what it means and how it resonates. I wonder how important it is for poets that their exact messages come across or if they put it out there to connect with people as they wish. It's a good question. I feel like this is this applies to novels as well. Billy Collins comes up here again. He has written a poem which is about poems. It's called An Introduction to Poetry. And the whole thing is about how he wishes his work would be taught and interpreted rather than how it often is at university or at school. Mm. He's very funny. He's a very funny poet. So I think if you like Dorothy Parker, you'll like Billy Collins and what he has to say about kind of the nature of poetry in a poem itself. That sounds exactly like something I would enjoy. On the topic, topic of poetry, can I ask you, after this conversation, are you likely to go onto the website that Annabelle recommended, Achlam? After this conversation, I would be likely to look at poetry in a different way, like looking for a more sort of clever and witty approach to comedy, to, sorry, <laughs> to poetry, <laughs> not comedy, to poetry and try to experience it in that way. So I'd, I'd want to read both of what you recommended. I'd be interested to read some very old Persian poetry too, actually. I think what's really interesting is it doesn't sound that old. If you pick up Shakespeare, it sounds old, yeah. but what you just read sounds like it was written last week. It is. It is very relatable. Another interesting thing about ancient Persian poets, yesterday Sheikha Budur posted something on her social media, which was about another ancient Persian poet called Saadi, Saadi Shirazi. And he wrote this poem called Beni Adam and Coldplay actually created a song with that same title dedicated to that poem. Wow. What about you, Annabelle? Because it's already kind of close to my comfort zone, I can see myself exploring a lot more Dorothy Parker anyway, because I like comedy. Mm. I think that I still struggle with poems that are about soul searching because I just do. And that's that's a personal thing. And I've read Omar Khayyam's work before and mm -hmm. it doesn't speak to me in the way that I think it speaks to a lot of people. And I don't know how to fix that or whether it even needs fixing. Maybe you haven't had an existential crisis yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need to fix personal preference. It's your taste. That's fine. You know, you, get, you give it a go. Yeah. I think what it is, if things are too vague in a poem, I don't like it. I, even this one that's about a big moment, this Tracy K. Smith one, it's about the beginning of the universe. It's about a big thing, but a specific moment in time. And mm -hmm. the tomato poem, it's about a tomato. Like, I like my poems to be very focused yeah. and structured. Yeah. Yeah, so I like, I, like, I like containment, focus and structure in poetry. Otherwise, I feel like it's trying to be too much. I think I like that too, because it's really hard to be clever about the biggest things in life. It, it's really hard to be 
witty and super insightful if it's vague and when you're open. talking about things that are completely unknown or mm. like your heart is bleeding on a page yeah. that kind of sincerity I, I don't really take on very well that openness is something that I think you find a lot in in a lot of Instagram poetry and I think mm-hmm. I've just figured out now why I struggle yeah. to engage with it yeah you also find it in a lot of teenage poetry so that's the thing. It's it's also the, the phase in your life where which you're at. There might be so maybe 17 year old Ahlam would n- would never have read Amar Khayyam, but today <laughs> you're in a different place in your life and you you connect with different things. So I think we do it like it's not about evolving, but it's just a matter of where you are in your life and what speaks to you in that moment. And that is a perfect introduction to our next episode, I think, which is going to be about books or literature or perhaps poetry that help the self uh, or otherwise known as self-help books. And I'm sure we'll all have very different takes on what books help us. My judgment is already simmering. It's ready to go. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we look forward to next week's episode. And you can tell us your opinions or suggested topics. You can send us an email on comms at emiratesatfest.com. Or you can send us a message on social media. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you're watching this rather than listening, then you already know that we're on YouTube as well. And if you're listening on audio only, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a rating. This has been the Boundless Book Club, the poetry episode. Thanks for listening. Listening.